0: I'm here with Father uh, Jeff Kirby, and Father, you—you've uh, recently come out with a book on uh, real religion. That's that? yeah, that's Can you that. give us a little quick thumbnail of it, of yeah. what your <laughs> hopes were for, for it, and how you did it? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I've
1: been a priest almost 14 years, and through the course of uh, my priestly ministry, you know, I've had different situations where things have happened, you know, in terms of worship or people's understandings of God. And, and oftentimes, truth be told, I was just caught off guard. Like, how, how do I answer that? Because it, it was just so outside of of the norm of of how we think or how we worship as Christian believers that I could never, I felt as if I was never giving a full answer. Mm-hmm. So I decided finally, I said, "You know, I just need to sit down, draw from our tradition, and try to understand in my own mind how to explain what my sensitivities were telling me you know, uh-huh. as, as a Christian believer." Uh, as, as someone who you know, tries to worship God in spirit and truth. Yeah. And really a large part of the book was really, especially that first chapter, you know, the biblical tenets of religion, to try to understand that. Mm-hmm. And then to present it in a digestible, readable kind of way uh, for people who could then understand, oh, that's, that's why the priest gets upset when I talk about changing the mass. So this is why, um, you know, this is the understanding of revelation. Why we can't change doctrine, or you know, these are you know, large, very thorough theological explanations that we can no longer presume from the faithful anymore. And and, in fairness, I just thought it was time to kind of try to break it down to give as best an explanation as I could. And that was the Genesis, and that's the hope
0: of the book. Right. And so you have. Big explanations about the liturgical season, about the Mass and things? Or?
1: So believe it or not, it actually starts much larger. <laughs> <laughs> I, we, we begin with God is real. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? And, and, and you know, as elementary as, as that sounds, and, and, and I don't mean that to be condescending to anyone, but when we say God is real, then what we're asserting with that First line of the catechism, God infinitely perfect and blessed in himself. Mm -hmm. He's infinitely perfect. I can't make him better. I don't need to update him. Mm -hmm. He doesn't need to be rebooted. Uh, I don't need to adjust or change him according Mm -hmm. to my thoughts or or our our culture today. He's infinitely perfect and blessed in himself, Mm -hmm. which means we had nothing to his greatness. When we worship God, we are allowed to live out our vocations as his children. He is infinitely perfect and blessed in himself but even just that statement that, that god is real infinitely perfect blessed himself is now of course very countercultural because if we say that god is real not just a figment of my imagination not my subjective satisfaction not some appeasement or self-remedy to fear mm-hmm. that god is real then suddenly that means someone's got it wrong right or some people have it incomplete mm-hmm. because if god's real and mm-hmm. there are multiple opinions of him some are wrong, some are incomplete, and there's one that's going to be spot on. Right. So that's the broad context in yeah. which uh, that, the book approaches. And then from that, just being honest, or at least raising the questions, is our worship, you know, true worship, is it real religion? Meaning, are we worshiping God? Mm-hmm. Or are we just worshiping ourselves? Mm-hmm. And the main argument of the book is that in the contemporary West, we are predominantly worshiping self-projections of ourselves. Mm. And that takes to various forms, whether it's our emotions, or our desire for self-help, right. or it's a commodity, or a social activism,
0: right.
1: that we create a deity of something else other than the true God. So it actually begins, <laughs> begins on that broader scale. We would, of course, say, you know, the metaphysical truths. Um, yeah. We could say more popular jargon, like the basic, the start, yeah. the first things we have to start there
0: yeah I remember listening to it it was a Protestant radio show and uh, and I remember they had an author for a book and he was discussing he was talking about marriage he was saying beautiful things and he said you know we don't realize that we're young we get married and we're so selfish self-centered we're trying we're looking for someone who loves us as almost as much as we love ourselves you know <laughs> And then he talked about like this <laughs> journey of sacrifice and real love growing and everything and uh it almost seems that way, like what you're talking about with God. Because you, you mentioned this morning in the homily about uh, like false idolatry. Or, yes. I think of the golden calf. Right? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And
1: we've created many golden calves. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I would say probably the, the, the big golden calf of, of the contemporary West are our sentiments. Mm-hmm. That as shocking as it is that there are people who believe that their emotions as fickle and capricious as they can be, are the standards of reality and of goodness. Now, yeah. Just to remind us, of, I walk into a room, and it's too hot, uh, my emotions change. I walk into a room, it's too cold, my emotions change.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, the, the fickleness of, of our emotions, which you know, can be good when they're yeah. ordered to goodness, right. but to say that those emotions become the basis, the standard
0: yeah. of
1: goodness or what I think is, is, is right, So if I don't feel something, yeah, then it's not good, right? Right. So I tell the story in a book years ago at at a parish. A woman had heard the story, stories from fellow believers that I went to confession. I just felt like a weight was lifted off my chest, or I went to confession. I just uh, felt so refreshed and so Mm -hmm. well. She kept hearing these type of testimonies, and she thought, well, I need to go to confession. So she went to confession, made her confession. Received absolution. Later, she found me. I was not the confessor in this in this Mm -hmm. story. Uh, She later found me, and she was upset. Mm -hmm. I thought, "Why are you upset? You just went to confession, right? Yeah, Yeah, this is a good thing." She said, "I didn't feel anything."
0: Yeah,
1: and I said, "Okay, well, sometimes it doesn't happen, you know, you know, but 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 your sins are forgiven, right?" And she's like, "Yeah, but I didn't feel anything."
0: Right.
1: Okay, but but in reality. Truthfully, like your sins are gone. Right. <laughs> and she said to me, she said, she said, but if I didn't feel it, what's the point? Yeah. And and and, you know, those are the type of experiences I've had, right. anyone in, in right. pastoral so ministry have had, where I was just so caught off guard because, mm-hmm. where do I even start in that context to provide an answer? And, yeah. and really, it's in it's situations like that that eventually led to the book, where it's like. Mm-hmm. We have to provide some type of response because that golden calf of the sentiments,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what I feel, what I you know, uh, emotionally satisfied with, that is the standard. Yeah. And that's a dangerous golden calf yeah. that has caused major problems, uh, some serious damage in marriages, yeah. families, the church, parishes, the priesthood. And that is not how right. uh, worship is, is called yeah. to, to happen
0: i I had you know I was born and raised Catholic I had this kind of spiritual awakening conversion at the end of college and and I remember reading uh my daily bread that I think it was like written in the fifties it's a great little summary of like the spiritual life and even more but um I remember they had a, they had a one of the chapters and it talked about you know that all these different religions can't be true i mean I can't be contradicting myself it was like in the words of Jesus I can't be contradicting myself and I thought yeah it's like to me I think it's so vital it was in my story that hey there is a truth out there there's a truth about God he's this he's not that you know and it seems like our culture and I've met people like this it's like they want to just somehow keep this absolute relativization of God but it, it just, it seemed like it makes God so nebulous, so distant. It's like, and I've even heard him say, it's like, you know, you cannot say anything about, you know, we, we're so limited in our thinking. We can't say anything about God. And, and it's, um, but you know, when I hear in all, a lot of that is like, well, I think Cardinal Ratzinger said in his book on Spirit of, the, Spirit of the Liturgy, talking about the golden calf, he said, we don't, he said the sin there was to make a God in their image and that how they wanted him. You the fashion of god how they wanted them it's like mm. we don't want a god as near as that as he was as god of israel was being to the israel because mm. there's demands yes. <laughs> there's conversion that's yes. right and I, I think about like the fundamental call repent and believe in the gospel it's like that that's what i always hear and i see it myself too it's like the spirit of the world of our the flesh is like i don't want to change yes. you're asking me to change if this god is a certain way and calls us close and repent, you know. <laughs> yeah, just,
1: especially in the midst of a fallen humanity. Yeah. That we're already, you know, backwards and upside down and we've gotten comfortable with it. Yeah. And then suddenly when the gospel is proclaimed, repent, believe in the gospel and the change that has to come from that and, and to, real, to realize, yes, I have to change. It's painful. I don't want to. This is difficult. Mm-hmm. But with that also comes the acknowledgement I've been doing it all wrong
0: yeah, yeah.
1: or I have not been living the way I'm called to live. Right. That's a, especially in the initial conversion, that's, that's a profound act of humility mm-hmm. to say all the things that I thought I was, I was doing right, all the things that I, I thought I was accomplishing, especially in the spiritual and moral realm, uh, were, were delusional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. right. You, know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, amount to anything compared to the grace of God. And, and so, so to your point, I think it is, it's, it, it can be profoundly humbling yeah. and almost too humbling for contemporary
0: yeah.
1: people, especially those who are worshiping our yeah. and have created a pseudo religion mm-hmm. based on that um, because we are hardwired for worship we 're going to worship something yeah <laughs> we 're not worshiping god yeah we 're going to worship something else, and, right. and oftentimes it 's ourselves yeah. um, a- a- as you um, Ratzinger, I'm reminded of the American author Mark Twain. He gave this mm. great quote uh, that I actually put in the book and it said um, God made man in his own image and man is forever trying to repay the favor. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, right. Right. you know, so, yeah. you know, you know don't, don't raise me up to the heights of, of glory. Um, why don't you come and then stay in the realm of sin yeah. and, and, and just in sin. Right? Yeah. We want God to be fallen with us rather than to raise us to glory
0: yeah yeah it's like yeah so you speak of Jesus as sinless or something and it's like or even divine the son of God you know it's like modernity bristles at that and and we recently just had the passage about the grain of wheat falling to the ground and die you know unless it dies or it remains just a grain of wheat and yeah, I've heard that I remember hearing that as a teenager and, and just being i i remember not liking that i was sitting in the field <laughs> <laughs> and i remember hey i don't like this and i couldn't i couldn't fit that into my self-centered world view and uh and it, it is so and i and i was preaching on it i thought you know and i said seeds seeds are very good at just remaining seeds Because they actually found a seed that was 31,000 years old (laughs) in Siberia. And they actually were able to plant it and cultivate it and grew. And it was like, man, I I thought it was such a great image. Because we want to just, this is what we're being, you have a choice. Do you just want to be a seed? Or do you want to be the beautiful tree or flower? And then the fruitfulness and yeah. not just one to one produce another flower it's like a, an oak drops how many acorns in its lifetime just this yeah. marvelous fruitfulness that jesus is offering yes. yet we'd rather stay closed as <laughs> <Right>. a seed <laughs> right. <laughs> right
1: right yeah. yes and and the, the the call you know to that type of death to self yeah know, for, for the seed to be willing to die you know, so as to 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 fully flourish, right,
0: right, you know,
1: is again I think in the contemporary mind because of the self-worship, yeah, flies in the face of what people understand God or religion or spirituality or themselves to be because all these terms have been redefined. So it's almost like when we want to speak about God or spirituality, we have to now begin by defining our terms because we speak this way. It it is almost offensive to contemporary ears for us to speak in such a way that, no, you have to die to yourself, right? Yeah. So someone might say to me, well, you you talk about self-worship, like, you know, how can you say that? Mm -hmm. One of the chapters I talk about how how self-worship can be this uh, pseudo-religion of self-help, right? Mm -hmm. So God or spirituality is used in order to, you know, Lose weight, or have greater peace, or stop mm-hmm. drinking, or to stop some other mm-hmm. addiction, or something. Right? It's almost like this higher power, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the life coach on high mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of approach. Right? right. I'm going to use God, yeah. you know, or this transcendence in order to accomplish something for uh, myself. Like the, right? The heart of worship is stripped out. Mm-hmm. There's no. I want to be with God because He is God. I, yeah. I want to show Him humility and gratitude. This, this death to self. Someone say, Well, how can you say this? Like. You know, are you opposed to self-help or self-improvement? Yeah. Of course not. These right. might be the results, mm-hmm. the fruits of right worship. But we know we can worship God. God does some problems with
0: mm-hmm.
1: We can worship God and we gain more weight or we have more problems.
0: <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> we live in a fallen world.
1: You know, we can't Get say cancer, that, yeah. you know, this is not a quid pro quo. God is yeah. a terrible yeah. businessman, right? Yeah. And, um, and someone said, well, how can you say uh, that, that I have self-worship, that this is self-worship? And say, okay, well, uh, then let, let's test this. Um, why don't you take a 2 a.m. holy hour? Mm-hmm. Or why don't you go serve the poorest of the poor to whom you are most uncomfortable?
0: Right?
1: Yeah. Or do something else that makes you uncomfortable. Right.
0: right.
1: That's a very much a part of our religion, yeah. a part of right religion. Do that and then see. And mm-hmm. if you find that reprehensible, yeah. then it shows you where your other acts of supposed religion really stand. mm mm-hmm. Hmm. that can be very disturbing for yeah. any of us
0: yeah yeah to have that generosity i mean i I think about that a lot you know it's like what are you willing to kind of suffer undertake for god and you know those of us who have been you know at it so to speak for a long time yes. it's like oh my gosh i have so little generosity you know and uh, what do you think are some of the things in the modern culture like you mentioned like walking into a cold or hot room Somebody pointed this out. You know, we can, we can adjust temperature of the room to precisely you know, what we want. Yes. And we can find today it's like our entertainment. You know, we're not all watching All in the Family anymore. It's like <laughs> you have a smorgasbord of shows or documentaries or whatever you want to get in, entertained by. And it's like we can just constantly be so distracted and fed and seeking comfort. And it seems like we could take that into our spiritual life, like you're saying. God absolutely. make me comfortable. <laughs> you know? Absolutely, yeah.
1: absolutely. I mean, it, it is amazing in our culture the things we can do to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. So as you mentioned, we can we can literally condition air. Yeah. You know, we can <laughs> we can choose our entertainment. We can decide what we want to eat, and yeah, pretty much get whatever we want. yeah. yeah. And in addition, I mean, something very small that the rest of the world does not have. Right. We can turn one little knob and have running water.
0: Yeah.
1: We can turn the other knob and have hot water. Right. The vast majority of the rest of, of the world yeah. does not have that privilege. Yeah. And we forget it's a privilege. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. that, right. this, is, this is not how the rest of the world is living. <laughs> you know, like, and, and, and obviously it's the culture we were born into, but just to have that awareness and the gratitude so that when we do have the call to religion, uh, there is that openness, mm-hmm. you know. Oftentimes, uh, from the book, I, I use the, the more traditional term, the virtue of religion.
0: Yeah,
1: and it catches some people off guard uh, because you know the virtue of religion. So, well, <laughs> one response that's a little comical is they say, "Well, well, the way you say it like that, like that makes it sound like it's something we're supposed to do,
0: <laughs> right? <You laughs> know?
1: Because because religion has become this kind of hobby or cherished heirloom or some yeah. type of psychological consolation." Yeah. So, the idea to know that this is something that we are bound to, you know the, the virtue of religion so, well, well well what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So, well, uh, the virtue of religion is placed within the context of the virtue of justice. Justice is a noble virtue. Mm-hmm. sometimes it, it gets diminished or or uh, dis, you know, dismissed in our culture today, but but justice is a is a beautiful virtue. Is to give another person their due. Mm-hmm. That can be punitive. Mm-hmm. We offend. There must be some type of, mm-hmm. you know, penalty or compensation. But it has positive attributes, expressions. Mm-hmm. So someone works for me, I pay them a just wage. Mm-hmm. Right? So I give to another person their due. Right. I expect my proper due. Right? right. Well, in that context of justice, the virtue of religion is the fulfillment of justice in giving God His due.
0: Yeah. yeah. Now
1: here's the thing is especially in terms of when religion becomes a uh, social activism. You know, right now, we're, a lot of people using the word justice, justice, you know, justice, mm-hmm. you know, and so on. And a lot of, you know, efforts that have at least some noble aspiration. You know, so whether that's, you know, human dignity or gender equality, or, you know, to take it its best possible face, right? Everybody's talking about justice. But what they don't realize <laughs> right, is that we will never be able to give justice to ourselves, mm-hmm. right? If we want true justice between uh, our neighbors within the human family, then we have to give justice first and foremost to God. Mm -hmm. It's by giving God his due, fulfilling justice to the virtue of religion, that then everything else is ordered. Because I'm giving God his justice, Mm -hmm. virtue of religion, then suddenly I am reminded and compelled to therefore then I'll give justice to my neighbor. Mm -hmm. But if I try to strip God out of it, and then Mm -hmm. somehow express justice to my neighbor well that ceases to be justice and oftentimes it just becomes uh, a battle of the wills mm-hmm. and oftentimes the ones who are stronger or who have more corporate support mm-hmm. or who have more popularity in our culture win, yeah. even if they yeah. are um, misguided or mm-hmm. the less noble versions of, of justice mm-hmm.
0: you said something that caught me this morning too about uh, the first commandment you know worshiping god and remember right the quote is remember of Israel." how's it going <laughs> <Yes, laughs> right?
1: remember yeah remember Israel, the lord your god is lord alone yeah, think, yeah. how can they forget <laughs> right, you know? right. but of course we forget yeah you know? like, and
0: you know. that's to me like part of the virtue of religion too it's like it can keep us balanced from maybe maybe sometimes being disordered and too much so to speak or being in some kind of extreme or not doing enough it's like hey you gotta come to church once a week you know <laughs> and these are these are serious sins you know the church has, a, has built a nice wall around you know certain things like sexuality and things because it is so powerful mm-hmm. and it needs to be protected and guarded you know for the sacrament of marriage uh, otherwise it can be consuming or hurtful to people destructive and those are some of the things I think about, like just what a blessing our faith is, that revelation. I, I heard a priest say, you know, he had this conversion. He said, I, I finally just didn't have to wake up every day and figure the universe out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that, yes. That's so precious. You know, like when you, you say, this stuff is going to burn my house to the ground, and the church is guiding me, you know, avoid sin and do good. And, And plus, then you have also, like, because I, what I would always hear in the modern world seem like, why do you guys have to do all? You go to church every Sunday, or you got all these rules. God isn't about rules. All that stuff blesses us mm-hmm. and gives us freedom, yes. and and can guide us, right? And,
1: yes. and, and when we have the relationship, the rules, even to call them rules, just seems misplaced for us, right? Mm-hmm. So, so for example. Uh, some time ago a young husband was complaining about the rules. You know, he was recently married, he's complaining about the rules of the church, you know. And I said, Well, you're recently married he said, Yes I said, Well, uh if you're gonna be, you know, kept at work late, uh, do you do you let your wife know? Oh well yeah. Mm-hmm. If you decide to go out with some colleagues for a beer after work and yeah. you know, so do, do you let your wife know? Yeah. Well yeah. Well if you're gonna make a major charge on your credit card or something you let your wife know right if we can't like, well man your wedding your marriage has a lot of rules <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? you know? right and he's, just like, he's like okay okay i get it. You know? it when we're in a relationship there there are natural rules like it yeah. just flow. It's, it's that expression of justice love compassion yeah. compassion tenderness yeah. so but when you take the relationship out yeah and, or if someone's on the outside looking in
0: yeah uh,
1: it can look like a lot of rules but to those who are in the relationship the rules fit because as you're saying like they give order and structure they mature guide teach yeah. this relationship this is what we're supposed to be doing we're not supposed to be doing this is what we're supposed yeah. to be doing now and so, yeah. so the rules actually help that's why sometimes some of our uh, popular catholic speakers and, and i get it i can appreciate yeah. what they're trying to say mm-hmm. when they say you know it's about relationship mm-hmm. it's not about the mm-hmm. rules it's like yeah. oh how about it's about relationship and not just the rules right <laughs> you know, right, I mean, right the rules are kind of important <laughs> you know? right right so yeah but, so, but again like um if people just see rules then, then they're they're turned off but if, if we yeah. respond to the call uh, it, it just it sounds odd to call them rules because that's yeah. not how we see them
0: and I guess yeah what struck me was that you were saying like remember always because like, we forget it's only like ten command out. We forget, you know, <laughs> that <laughs> we need to live a life of, you know, of selflessness. We need to give of ourselves. We, you know, we need to strive for virtue. And uh, because, you know, especially today, just as I get older too, and you as you get older, I think, you know, we realize our own weakness more. And then, but too, you know, as a priest, you, know, you hear so many confessions, and you just you see the devastating effects that our culture can have and the values it promotes and it's like uh you know we need to because the culture is shouting at us you know this is the way you got to live you know this illusory freedom of the prodigal son you know you'll be free you know just take off and (laughs) and that'll be happiness and i you just see the devastation and it's like i i know personally i i got to hear these things again and again and things i heard before now strike me in a new way yes you know about the spiritual life or giving or whatever it is you know and uh and I, I think the church is the place, you know, we, we can hear that. And we can be witnessed by a fellowship of believers. Amen. You know, yes. this, this notion that it's just me and God, you know. Yeah. It's like...
1: <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. You know, I, I very much like that image that you gave in terms of uh, of the, cal- the, the culture shouting at us. Yeah. And, and, you know, to, to run with that, we can imagine that today, in today's world, to be a believer, uh, to seek to remember God yeah. uh, is... In a secular world, uh, it's equivalent are trying to walk into a stadium after a major sporting event when everyone else is coming out, yeah, and yeah. and we're trying to get in and we have to dodge and avoid people. And there's the confusion, the pressure, the anxiety to just turn around and walk with the rest of the crowd. Yeah. So this type of this cultural shouting and this cultural pressure of right. you know, e- even when it's not spoken, there's just this inherent pressure now on the believer in the midst of a secular world. Like, you know, Our world has become secular. The institutions have been taken over by secularism. Yeah. And for someone to believe, to keep that belief, we go back to that, remember. I, I think mm-hmm. it's interesting that uh, Moses in Deuteronomy, as he's re-summarizing <laughs> the commandments, this yeah. last will and testament yeah. as, as he's preparing for his death, <laughs> he mentions, he says, you know, Write these out. Put them on your doorposts. Teach them to your children. Pray them before you go to bed. Yeah. Talk about them as you walk along the way. Yeah. Like, do not forget. Remember, yeah. Yeah. And, and in many respects, that's kind of an antecedent to our sacramental system. Mm-hmm. The reason why we have beautiful sacramentals and devotions, scapulars, candles, yeah. images of holy saints and holy ones, is to remind ourselves that that, yeah. that is the reminder. Like, whatever we might do throughout our lives, that. Know, mm-hmm. That God is with us. That He is God. He is God yeah. alone,
0: yeah.
1: because we do forget, and, and it just sounds odd uh, to speak of forgetting God. Yeah. And yet, yeah. in our fallenness, we do it all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, I was um, I was preaching the other day at the televised mass at the Annunciation, the Feast of Annunciation, and uh, and I I love Mary. I'm kind of fascinated with Mariology and things, but I find it hard to preach because <laughs> to me it just gets so complex and involves every bit of our theology you know? yes yes and uh and i i was just kind of like feeling kind of disheartened but I, I this is like in the mass <laughs> i look at the missile <laughs> and we had a beautiful picture of this annunciation scene that i never paid attention to so this was just in the pages of the missile and it was just so it was like this real artistic you know, Mary's like at a pray do, and like turning and the angel's like appearing behind her. And there was something captured in the photo about, I don't wanna say, I, I guess, I don't know what it was about it. That it was, it was like, it was stripped of all kind of the majesty and the power and the glory of the world. And you had this, this young woman responding, you know, and like no kind of, but so powerful. Yes. You know, this is the beginning of the New Covenant. Amen. Was this fragile, seemingly fragile scene. I guess maybe that's the word. And but, so I just say all that. Just you talk about the sacramentals and the beauty of our faith, the beauty of artwork. It's like that can awaken us. We hear beautiful music it's like oh yeah i want that mm. or, oh yeah that draws me that's compelling yes. and, uh, or that's the power it just i guess it's pointing us to god i guess when i see that it's like i see the power of god working in mary because it's stripped of all human power in many ways yes. you know yes. and yes. you yes. see it more eloquently i guess and absolutely yeah.
1: and i think we need that beauty uh that especially that that moves us or, or wake wakens us up to to or, or cause us to give a second look, mm-hmm. and, and, and we need that as believers. Yeah, and I think in our world of those who struggle with belief or who mm-hmm. don't know that you know don't yeah. know or have you know have no belief, uh, that's important because when we start talking, say for example, with the Annunciation, uh-huh. we are speaking within the way given to us by the Lord Jesus. Yeah, and things make sense. I, I enjoyed the story you talked about the the person who woke up and said, "I don't have to." create you know come with the meaning of the world the whole universe you know what i mean like you know uh, because you imagine like when we start preaching for example in the annunciation um you know we are talking about a baby a woman fruitful motherhood Mm -hmm. the father saint joseph and a family Mm -hmm. every one of those things are now Mm counter-cultural and can lead to cultural battles Mm -hmm. in our world today and we speak of them and you know, it becomes so complicated. You know what I mean? It's like, oh my goodness, can I just preach once without a fight. Thank you for know I mean? <laughs> like, you know, a storm of emails. You know, because it it it, it just requires so much. And, and and I think sometimes that simplicity or the innocence, the yeah. vulnerability of the human experience, yeah. uh, can can awaken anyone out uh, anyone up. But uh, I think you know we need that too. Yeah. Uh, an older priest said to me some time ago. He said, you know, we, we tell people, Jesus loves you, mm-hmm. but we forget that they don't know Jesus, they don't know love, and they don't know themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, we might as well be speaking Martian, like they don't yeah. understand that. Right. And sometimes you have to step back a little bit and you know, reassess, and yeah. I, mean, I think to your point, like expressions of love or yeah. signs of friendship, yeah. you know, and so on. Sometimes that itself is, is the first step to eventually sharing or helping other people to come to believe. Yeah. And for us to do believe, like, to be reminded of, yeah. of the beauty and the innocence and right. of the joy that's a part of these.
0: Yeah. You know, I was, we're in Lent, you know, I was making the Stations of the Cross the other day, just by myself, and I didn't have a booklet or anything. And I, and I you know, I just feeling like uh, the poverty of my experienced thoughts emotions about this and i just i just want to say this so maybe somebody listening to this that we can feel that way because you read some eloquent reflection on the stations but it, it kind of hit me i said well just just tell jesus one thing because i you know mother angelica talked about this that she often would like to meditate like place herself in the garden and his when it was his agony in the garden elves and uh oh. and just try to she would try to comfort him, mm. and I thought, you know, you, you, I thought just just comfort Jesus by just saying one thing, and it might be, it might be full of self-love or whatever <laughs> we, this or <is> whatever. <laughs> but just maybe one observation, you know, you could say, Jesus, thank you for submitting to this, that you were taking on condemnation. You know, thank you for struggling. You fell, you know, and you didn't quit. You know, that you gave of yourself to the point of physical exhaustion you know just some obvious maybe thought and i i thought i don't know i just i'd like to encourage people with that because sometimes they feel like they have so little to bring and just say a word you know just say something he's he's looking for our hearts and let that grow you know that conversation with christ and uh and to connect with him you know
1: To, to that point i'm always very moved in the gospels Uh, when the Lord wants to feed the crowd and Mm -hmm. and the apostles don't understand what the Lord wants to do. And then eventually, through the generosity of a child, uh, with five loaves, two fish, thousands are fed. And and sometimes it's it's the five loaves and two fish. It, It can be as simple as Lord, thank you for letting me be here. Yeah. I know who I am. I, I know yeah. my confusion, my anxiety, my sinfulness. Right. You know, right. I'm here. My, my five loaves and two fish. Yeah. It's not much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I have, I give to you, and I just ask you to help me. I, I think that type of humility and that posture. Uh, you know, that's that's where grace can work. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's where power and conversion. That that's where that happens.
0: Yeah. So yeah, if you're listening to this, you don't get. All this religion stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just bring your two barley loaves or five loaves, whatever, <laughs> the, and uh, and give it to the Lord and let Him work and get real with Him. And and religion, the practice of our religion, makes that, you know, offers us a a path to do that. You know, know. to get real. So, well, I know you got to run, but thank you so much uh, for talking with us. Thank you, Father. Appreciate it.